RPN, the Roddenberry Podcast Network. Are we broadcasting? Are we coming through? What's the frequency, Kenneth? Assuming it's all working, it's Tuesday night at 7 p.m. Pacific, 10 p.m. Eastern. That means it's Mission Log Live, and I'm John Champion. And I'm Ken Ray. And here you are with us. Time to do what we do on a Tuesday. That means talking track, small topics, big topics, in-universe, in-fandom. We like to cover it all on this show with you, our Star Trek pals. Now, you know how this works. We talk a little, we welcome a guest, and then you call in. Your comments, your questions, your opinions, they are all welcome. Here's how you get them to us. Click the Zoom meeting link. Use the one tap from your smartphone or call 669-900-6833. That number again, 669-900-6833. And we know that you'll want to talk to us tonight because not only is our guest, your friend and ours, Dr. Trek himself, Larry Nemechek from Portal 47 and LarryNemechek.com, but also this show is about you. It's about Star Trek fandom, a topic that we like to dive into from time to time to see how we're all doing. Larry has had his finger on the pulse of the fandom for a long time with his frequent convention appearances and his own Tuesday live show. That's just the tip of the iceberg there. We'll check in with him in a few minutes, and that's where we want you to chime in. Yeah, you know what they say. Star Trek is nothing without its fans. But who are the fans now? Where are they coming from? And uh are they still finding Star Trek? You can let us know uh, when you tap the link, when you uh, click the one tap of your smartphone, or when you call 669-900-6833, 669-900-6833. Uh, that gets you through to Earl. Earl will get you through to us, and then you get to be, you know, uh, through with everybody. Two, I'm sorry, you get to be through to everybody. Yeah. Speaking of everybody, John. Yeah, speaking of everybody, and by the way, so I know that last week I had some weird video streaming mojo, very, very odd, and uh, boy, that just created a whole mess for us to clean up at the end of the night. Uh, I believe it was something like three or four dozen individual clips that were posted to Facebook and to YouTube, and uh, we've done a lot to try to resolve that. That was a sort of an oddity. Uh, there was a power outage where Earl was. That screwed up the Internet lines. Everything got messed up. Uh, tonight, tonight is a little bit different because we have a new Zoom channel in order to facilitate this meeting. And uh, Earl has been hard at work trying to solve a weird video glitch. So you can hear us. But what you might be seeing is, uh, as somebody said, a video inception at the moment. So while we're getting that sorted out, stick around because you can hear us. And of course, the audio will go out later, too. We've got Barbara. We've got Casey. Uh, I believe somebody shouted Cooley and then Casey said, not stealing my Cooley. And then we got Karen. We got uh, James. We got Peter. We got Rick. uh, We got David. He says it's infinite mission log. And then we've got Aaron, we've got Barry, we've got Chris, we've got Barry, we've got David again, we've got Joy, so many people. Uh, see, there's Brett, he's saying this is a temporal vortex uh, and gravimetric, oh, where'd it go? Gravimetric distortions, exactly. And and if you just uh, cross-circuit A to cross-circuit B, we should be fine. Scott Palm saying hello all. Tate says Earl didn't pay the bill. Not true, Tate, but we're looking into it. Uh, and then you've got Brian saying hi, everyone. But it's all coming in. And then, uh, yeah, uh, Brett still says it's still better than Jordy's, Jordy's visor. And he's not wrong there. So bear with us a second. We'll get this sorted out and uh, we'll just carry on. So uh, what is coming up for Mission Log and Roddenberry stuff? Can I believe we got a thing happening? This yeah. Uh, night after tomorrow, as we say this and probably tomorrow, as people hear it, uh, Thursday, the 7th of November, uh, we're going to be gathering people together in the uh, Roddenberry Nexus in Sansar. I mentioned last week, although you know very few people got to hear it. Uh, Max Cervantes is going to be there. He is, um, of course, Max was a guest about a month ago, a month and a half ago, maybe on the show. Uh, he has appeared in a lot of Star Trek. He's worked behind the scenes in a lot of Star Trek. And what's neat is, and forgive me if you've heard this story, um, I actually got to be standing physically next to Max the first time he went into the Nexus. And it was it was in Vegas, and most people spend about five minutes, and they're like, cool, I'll have to check this out when I get home. Maybe they do, maybe they don't. 
Max, on the other hand, spent about 45 minutes just walking around all over the Nexus and pointing out things and, you know, telling people, both people who are, you know, in the virtual space with him or anybody who happened to be standing within earshot, all this really great stuff about all the really great stuff that is, uh, that's in the Nexus. So Max will basically be acting as our docent Thursday night. That is uh, 7 p.m. Pacific, 10 p.m. Eastern. And if you don't have an account, see, because you don't have to have all the headset and all that stuff. If you do, that's great. That makes it, you know, 3D and immersive and all that. But as long as you've got a Windows computer that is running Windows 7 or later, you can actually log in with your Sansar account. You can go to the Nexus and you can hear everything that's happening. You can see all this stuff as well. Um, I think you can type messages in. You won't, won't be able to speak to us, unfortunately, but you'll be able to type messages in. And um, yeah, if you don't have an account, it's free and easy to do. Sansar.com is the place to do that. And um, yeah, it'd be fun to see lots of people on the Nexus. It'd be fun to have to turn people away. Not because it's fun to turn people away, <laughs> but you know, it would be fun to fill the place to the Raptors. So uh, 7 o'clock Pacific, 10 o'clock Eastern, Thursday, the 7th of November, Max Cervantes in the uh, in the Roddenberry Nexus in Sansar. Yeah, so that'll be fun. And uh, again, I'm looking at a black screen here, but I know that you can hear us. So thank you for sticking around as we uh, hammer out the weird uh, video glitch. Uh, Brett says, guys, where's Data? I have a feeling he's hijacked the Enterprise again. You're probably not wrong, but uh, thanks for sticking around, guys. Uh, as we do every week, we have a poll question. Now, last week we had Rekha Sharma on for those, oh, you know, three of you who stuck around for that uh, odd inception we were in there. And we asked you at the beginning of the show, Landry or Landry? We had a picture of Landry from the Prime Universe, Landry from the Mirror Universe, pretty evenly split most of the night, most of the week. But we actually landed with a majority on the Prime Landry side, 57 percent and 43 percent of you landed on the Mirror side. Uh, so, look, you, you got your Landry both ways and, you know, nearly, nearly split on which Landry is your Landry. So uh, that leads us, though, to our poll question for tonight. Do me a favor. Remind me, can we only do like two poll questions? I mean, like a, like a poll question. It's, it's like either or, right? It's yeah, not yeah. A, B, it, or it, C. Right, right. So okay. A or a B. Yeah. Okay. Because what we're talking about tonight with uh, Dr. Trek, Larry Nemechek is, uh, is, is, is Star Trek fandom. And the question that we have, the poll question that we have is, when did you discover Trek? Is it classic era, which we have listed here as the original series all the way through Enterprise, or is it new era, which would be 2009 through now? And I, I feel like, honestly, and we can talk about this when we get Larry on, I feel like this should actually be a three-part question. A classic era, which, of course, would be TOS uh, animated series and maybe the, the movies. Mm -hmm. uh, sort of like what, Silver Age, maybe, which would be from, from next gen to enterprise. And then uh, modern day, whatever, which would be 2009 on. Because it's weird to me to lump all of those in together. But... The question as it stands right now, since uh, since we're a tiny bit limited in how we can ask, uh, when did you discover Trek? Was it the classic era, TOS through Enterprise, or is it the new era, which would be 2009, so JJ Trek on? Uh, not surprisingly, 96% of people uh, here uh, say it was the classic era, uh, new era, 4%. And and hi to you people. If you're actually watching the live thing and didn't just you know spot the poll and then hit it and go, hi to you people. Uh, really want to hear from you tonight. Not more than anybody else, but it'd be great to hear from you, uh, those new era people. So uh, hit the one tap from your smartphone. Hit the link in Facebook or six six nine nine hundred six eight three three is the phone number to call six six nine nine hundred six eight three three. Yeah, I have to say that I'm surprised, but I'm not surprised. I think part of it is that whenever we go to a convention or something, those people who say, well, my first Star Trek was J.J. Abrams in 2009, or my first Star Trek was Discovery, that really stands out to me mm -hmm. uh, because it is so new. So I, I would expect there to be more of them. But I guess if you think about fandom in general and just how fans express their fandom, that I shouldn't be surprised if it skews so heavily to that uh, to that classic era. And yeah, it is funny to me that we call that the classic era because, well, when Next Gen came on, classic Trek was just Star Trek. <laughs> I know? remember when I was at the uh, the Northeast Trek Con, not the last one they just did, but the one in 2016, 
there were more than a couple of people. And what's funny is there almost weren't more than a couple of people <laughs> at that show. But there were more than a couple of people who said almost, you know, proudly like, no, 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 it's, it's Kirk. It's Kirk, Spock and McCoy. I never could get into that new Star Trek. <laughs> they said about, yeah. you know, a show that I think was celebrating its 25th anniversary that year. Yeah. Uh, so no 24th, excuse me, 24th anniversary that year. But anyway, yeah. yeah. Um, yes. And if anybody wants to say not classic middle of the road, whatever, fine, just give us a call. Yeah. We're, we're, we're easy. We're easy. We're easy. Like that song that was easy about easy. some morning or something. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't, I, was that what it was called? I don't know. What's the <laughs> one with the defector called? Anyway, uh, oh yeah, oh. Uh, so <laughs> hey, uh, by the way, very cool. We we have ourselves in kind of uh, uh, Hollywood squares pattern on screen here, which is great. So we're all on all the time. That's awesome. It's a good fix to what we're doing. Just warning you all that if you do something on screen that you don't want broadcast to millions of people, well, don't do that thing. Enough of our yapping. Let's bring in our special guest, Larry Nemechek. Now, Larry. Larry's been having this ongoing conversation with a friend of his, Lee, who's a high school English teacher. And Lee shared his surprise with Larry that none of his students in his class had ever heard of Star Trek, had ever heard of Kirk or Spock or anything of the like. And it opened up this interesting conversation between the two of them. Uh, and then online, as Larry looked into the generational divides around Star Trek fandom. So, uh, what an interesting topic to be able to get into tonight. Of course, we have Larry on a, a few times a year to talk about the fandom and, and gatekeeping and just sort of what's happening out there with Star Trek in general. But this seemed like a really specific and uh, uh, sort of a, a personal way to take on how we look at Star Trek fandom. So, Larry, welcome back to the show. Um, I'm sure, of course, we will see you again as weeks <laughs> and months go by. Uh, but but welcome back, as always, uh, a friend of Mission Log and the Roddenberry Podcast Network. And did I did I summarize that right? Because you, you shared that with me. I don't know if Lee had just reached out to you um, spontaneously to Bye. let you know what was going on. Well, yes. And hi, everybody. And thanks for uh, good to see everyone again here. On mission log, uh, yeah, this is um, this is a topic that ever since the the fallow years came about, and we didn't have new Trek cranking out, and especially one time I got to a convention and left my slides at home, and I had to figure out something new to talk about, and realized there are all these gaps, and maybe perceptional gaps, and maybe things are changing, and veteran fandom, I won't say old. You know, you get into your ruts and your friends and the circles you you are in, and you forget that time moves on. It happened to the original series fans. Like you said, when Next Generation came on. And I, ever since Discovery, I've really tried to keep my ears open to what the new wave of fandom is going to be because the, the Kelvinverse fandom eventually kind of made itself known. But it's all these interesting dynamics. Like people who are new to a space, they don't know where they're supposed to go hang out. And especially when the new spaces are kind of new at times. And especially when the new spaces are suddenly like if Facebook and it's where grandma and the Russians are hanging out, then maybe I don't want to go there after all, <laughs> you know, <laughs> so new it's only 10 years old. So, right. So, yes. So actually uh, just a tweak on that. My friend Lee uh, was guest teaching. Uh, it was an advanced, it was like an AP English class, high school kids. I didn't know if it was younger or older, but they were all writers. He was just shocked. Um, he said, these are all uh, really, really bright kids. And it wasn't so much about the fact that whether they were fans or they hated Star Trek or whatever. He was just gobsmacked by the fact that they did not know what Star Trek was to have an opinion about it. Hmm. And not that they should all be science fiction fans, but what happened to pop culture? And we move through this world. And I may never watch, you know, show X, Y, Z, but I hear when it comes on, I see commercials, I hear promotion, I see ads pop up for it. I hear when it, when their lead star gets arrested on a DUI. I hear when the show is canceled. I hear when the fans write, you know, I may never watch it, but it's at least out there. And we have peak TV now, and there seem to be, you know, 470 of those kind of shows out there, yeah. but, but Star Trek. And that, anyway, that's what, that's what really stopped him in his tracks. And he shared that with me. And I was saying, well, I wish you could have done a, a comparison sample and ask them if they've ever heard of a thing called the Marvel or DC universe or this thing called star Wars. Like, are they just media elitists or something? But yeah. um, no, it was really, it was really fascinating because 
10, 12 years ago, I almost would have expected that. But since the JJ era and the reboot of that, and then, you know, with Discovery, I would have thought that it would have percolated at least to say, ah, oh, there's a vague notion I have of that out there. But he said he got blank stares. And that's what, that's what started this, this latest round. Yeah. I mean, the, the JJ Abrams Star Trek movies, regardless of their artistic merits, um, and we, we could certainly talk about that, uh, but they're big budget summer tentpole movies. And you had three of them. You had three of them with big movie stars in them. So it, it seems like they're sure. Maybe they didn't do as well as the Marvel Universe movies or even what DC is pumping out. Uh, but there's still posters everywhere. There's still billboards. There's still ads everywhere. Well, uh, hold on, though. You're in L.A. I mean, sure. it, it, there are billboards for movies in Los Angeles the way there are not billboards for movies in a bunch of other places. I mean, drive down the street here and 25 percent or in L.A., excuse me, 25 percent of the billboards might be for some TV or movie, right? TV show or movie. Drive you know down the street in Nashville and the billboards are for, you know, exterminators and, and well, and honestly, a lot of like tourist uh, attractions now that are sort of coming back to the Nashville area as well. Other yeah, places, but, other things. Here, here's uh-huh. it really quickly. Do you know, John, when the next Terminator movie comes out? It's already out, right? Okay, okay. See, I yeah. thought it was going to trick you. I thought it was going to trick you. <laughs> Do you know how much money it made this Sorry, weekend? And at least forty-five dollars. Twenty-nine million. All right, twenty-nine million so, is what it's made, which is like almost nothing. Yeah, which would seem to indicate either people are tired of it or they just didn't know it was coming. Because I've, I've actually been kind of excited about that movie, and it still, you know, sort of snuck up on me. And also, I didn't go see it because I was watching Apple TV. But, but here's the thing. I know about that movie because I saw people posting about it. And, and regard billboards, yes, we have more movie billboards in L.A., but mm-hmm. those same marketing people are buying ads on websites. They're putting tweets out. They're putting Facebook notifications. I, you know, all, all this stuff. If you have seen a Paramount movie or liked a Paramount movie, you're probably going to get some sort of a notification in your social media, some ad that will pop up with Star Trek in it. And regardless, I guess the thing that really surprises me is that I used to always say, you know, when when Disneyland changed the Tower of Terror into Guardians of the Galaxy, and I thought that was a terrible idea. I still think it's a terrible idea, but... Honestly, the ride is great. It's just an aggressively ugly ride now. But besides that, besides that, um, I always thought that the thing that Disney had going for it was that the Twilight Zone and and the imagery from that show, uh, just even the phrase, the Twilight Zone, even if you had never seen the Twilight Zone, those concepts, those images had so permeated the pop culture that you knew what you were getting into. And it's the same thing I thought with Star Trek, that even if you had never seen an episode of Star Trek, the name Spock or saying, beam me up, Scotty, even if Kirk never actually said that, these were things that had so permeated the pop culture that you still had that as a reference. You still knew what that was, even if you hadn't seen an episode. What's surprising to me is just saying that, yeah, these kids have no point of reference whatsoever. Or maybe they missed whatever article said, hey, this new thing on your iPhone or this new thing on your iPad is just like a thing from Star Trek. Because mm-hmm. that, that still gets written about it, so it gets talked about in the popular press. So what what are they missing? Or are they just skipping past that part and not remembering it? Well, I'm seeing people in the thread all saying, "Oh, my kids, this and my kids, this and my nephews, you know, nieces, nephews." What I what that's the other thing is discounting, you know, Trekkies reproducing, discounting people <laughs> raising their kids up in the family. The fact that you could have a class of and I didn't know how big the class was: twelve, fifteen, eighteen, twenty. The mm. fact that it was if it's not Burbank, it's at least L.A. area. It's an advanced writing class. It's like an AP English class. So the fact that no, not one, you know, had a friend, had a relative, had someone in the industry that at least, you know, I, had, I knew a guy that knew a guy that used to walk the dog for a guy that did visual effects on, you know, <laughs> something like that. And yes, um, L.A. is not the country, but that's yeah. what was the most shocking was that, you know. And so, again, it's anecdotal. It's not a sample. Yeah. Um, but it, it just really was God smacking, especially, and again, 12 years ago, I would have almost expected that after the fallow years, but sure now 
that's what was uh, that was what was really on. Well, I, I think what we'll probably get into is just the idea of what fans are doing, how how they express their fan, because I think this is a whole interesting thing about how. You know, Star Trek fans created Star Trek fandom. You go back to that original convention in 1972. And I also think just the very nature of fandom has changed and is changing still. So what we see is conventions. Uh, look, there are a lot fewer Star Trek conventions now than there were 10 or 15 years ago. And there may continue to be a drop off or those will will change their nature. Right. And we can certainly talk about that. Well, a bit. Some of this is generational where people hang out. I know. I know cities where there is an active fan club community, but the older and I hate to make this about age, but it's it's that's kind of where we are. The older, the more veteran fans enjoy like a club atmosphere and the younger fans enjoy just the hangout away team, you know, kind of a situation that's not so we have a meeting every month and we have a speaker and all that. I mean, Mm -hmm. some of that's just reflecting the different the different ages. Yeah, but that's it. The young, the very, very youngest fans, you know, for the discovery and Picard. And that's why I'm so excited about um, what I call hashtag Nick Trek and, and even lower decks, even though, but Nick Trek especially will be out, out of us, out of, behind the paywall, you mm-hmm. know, or how, you mm-hmm. know, at least assuming that Nickelodeon is easier to get than CBS all access. So some of these, this may be a, we may be on the cusp of this golden age and it actually may start to permeate more layers of just the general pop culture. I, I don't know. We made Chris Riker. Chris Riker says the one I never got was the Lone Ranger. Who asked for that movie? <laughs> Look, I, I like a good Western, but I know that the Western as a genre is gone. There are a few standouts every now and then that come up, but it's not like I'll go back to Disney. You know, when Walt Disney created Disneyland, there is an area Frontierland because Westerns were a huge genre that when you thought of popular entertainment, you thought of, oh, well, Westerns have to be in there because that's just what people go see. That's what they do. Now, this is not a thing anymore. Every now and then there's an outlier that crops up because it's something so radical, so different, like a, a Deadwood or something like that. Um, but they're very few and far between. Yeah. Hey, uh, let's go to our first caller who has been standing by patiently since we uh, dropped into our Hollywood Squares format tonight. Let's say hi to the Vice Admiral. There he is. <laughs> Welcome back Gentlemen, to the show. How are you? And yourself, Admiral Nemechek. How are you tonight? Uh, thank you, sir. Yes. <laughs> if I had known, I would have worn my uh, my insignia. I don't usually wear mine either, but that's okay. Just for when uh, we're out and about. But um, so the topic, uh, happy to talk about. I think I once told Rod, and uh, he was a little bit surprised, that my first experience with the original series was when I was seven years old. And um, my aunt was a uh, was a Roman Catholic nun. And so the first episode of Star Trek I ever saw, I don't unfortunately remember which one it was, but I do know it happened in a convent surrounded by nuns. So, <laughs> so wow. <that> was... <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, I, uh, I always say you never forget your first. That's uh, very true. <laughs> very true. And of course, you know, I've been uh, a fan since, as you all know, I, I have my own kind of flavor of fandom. I, I, I am, you know, a big part of, which is Barfleet, which all three of you have experienced. That That is <clears> a <throat> great flavor of fandom. Yes. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. The best part about it is that it's not, it, it, it uses, Trek as the theme, but it's not tied to Trek in any significant way other than our, our, you know, our base. So like the entire Chicago ship has a huge uh, firefly sort of uh, feel to it. Um, the, the captain and other officers in the Indianapolis ship um, are Orions and occasionally uh, go full Orion makeup and everything. So uh, all around there's uh, there's a lot of, diver- I mean, yeah, that's still Trek, but it's, it's not your normal stuff. So um and we've certainly gotten a number of the younger fans that have come in through JJ and have, have started coming in through Discovery that also have, you know, become a part of our group and have, uh, you know, joined for that and uh, from that. So um, we try really hard to uh, be diverse in all ways, especially when it comes to our fandoms and especially when it comes to Trek fandom. So, but we, we do a lot of non, you know, you know, I've been to, to Vegas, but yeah, yeah. like we have cons, this is the con season for us. Like we have one uh, coming up this uh, next weekend in Chicago. Uh, we have another one in Indianapolis at, uh, at the end of the month. And uh, there's a few more coming up before, um, you know, as we get into the, the 
early next year that we throw uh, parties at and that I know Larry's been to at least uh, Starbase Indy, which sounds like it is a Trek themed combat and it does have a lot of Trek themed stuff and try to get a lot of Trek guests, but it's also just a fan run general convention, which is really amazing and a lot of fun. Uh, it's funny. I'm actually glad you mentioned all of that because uh, as soon as we introduced you, Rick Carter in the chat says, Barfleet, tell me more. <laughs> so, Rick, uh, look up Barfleet on Facebook, join their page there. And, uh, and it's also just Barfleet.com, right? Yes, it is. Although yeah. um, nobody, I don't think it's been updated in a while, but it's still live. It's still there and you can still contact us through it. I don't know if the calendar's updated, but I'll, uh, I'll, I'll uh, rattle some cages if I have to and see if we can get people to keep that up to date. It, it should be up to date on, uh, on the, um, on the Facebook. So, yeah. Well, this is, here's the thing that you're bringing up though. So, uh, first of all, what's cool is that Barfleet, you're based in the Midwest. So mm-hmm. you, you have this sort of local community that'll get together to conventions and the, you know, general nearby area um, around the great lakes mainly but yeah 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 so you you've really built up this community there um you are a bar fleet therefore you are not 17 18 years old correct so <laughs> correct your, your fandom presumably are people who grew up on track you know going back at least 20 years or more uh which in is most cases great. but not all yeah 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 but, but you probably have some who you know 10 years ago when the first jj movie came out they might have been 15 16 17 years old and now they're they're finding they want to find some sort of social outlet and mm-hmm. also be geeky about their passions at the same time exactly so you're filling that void yeah, we, we try. I mean, one thing we don't do, we, we don't go to like anime cons, things like that. The, the, just the, the mar, you know, main audience is just a little marginal on the, you know, we don't want to have folks walking drinks out and, uh, and all that if that comes to that. So we try to, you know, but we mainly keep to the other ones. Um, at the end of the day, um, we tend to get a lot of folks, uh, even the younger ones who come in and enjoy the atmosphere and they don't even have to know that it's a Star Trek themed group in the, in, you know, they just come to the party, have fun, um, make friends. <laughs> <laughs> and, well, you know, it's better than two guys in a keg, right? Yeah. <laughs> Little known reserve activation clause. <laughs> well, I, do you think this has changed though in the last several years? Like if you were to look at a bar fleet event, 10 years ago versus a bar fleet event now mm-hmm. uh, it, is that audience i don't know it, it, is that audience changing do you feel like there's less momentum do you feel like it, it's a harder sell so you're doing things that are more general sci-fi geeking out come have a drink as opposed to a specific star trek thing you, you no, just kind of said that a little bit well i'd say that it's you know it, it's certainly elaborated certainly when we started out back in the you know 30 years ago that was mostly track uh, that we that we were both um a part of and that we were you know all most of our, our our original members were that was their primary fandom these days it's it's pretty widespread it's it's gamers it's uh, you know, every major thing. We don't have a lot of MCU, let's say, but, uh, you know, there's mm-hmm. Star Wars, there's Galactica, there's Firefly. A lot of that is in there. And some people really go the extra mile for that. Um, and another thing you'll notice at a lot of our parties is that the, you know, the music that we're playing, we kind of, uh, our DJs are pretty good and they will, they will kind of read the audience for their, you know, both their age and, uh, shall we say their, their interests and uh, the each DJ has their own flavor of things. And we try to try to cater it to the audience we've got. And we can always read the room usually to see how that's going. But on the other hand, we have some interesting things that people don't even notice. Like um, we have won the best drink contest at least twice with something that we call uh Ginny's revenge, uh, two different cons. We won with that. The thing about Ginny's revenge is that it has a surprising amount of alcohol and we won best drink with both the uh, both of those, and that surprising amount is zero. What? <laughs> yes, what? yes, we have won best That's drink. Surprising! Contest. That's shocking. <laughs> That's... <laughs> hey, you know if 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 it's a uh, quantity not quality uh, contest. <laughs> exactly. Well, right. you know, long term. Yeah, all night long. We'll take Look. best whether it has alcohol or not. <laughs> 
this whole thing about conventions, though, I mean, when computers first came into fandom and, you know, around like the turn of the century, I can't believe I just said that term, the, <laughs> the century. And there was a lot of angst and hand wringing about would conventions dry up because everything you did at a convention you could do online now. And people were thinking very, you know, in the box. I got my information. I got even got my gossip and all that. I bought my products. I didn't have to do it at a dealer's table. And what and then what happened, I think almost that, that social, and there, it kind of coincided with the malaise in Star Trek, the, the last two or three years of Enterprise, the split fandom between Voyager and DS9, and, and then the, the sci-fi success, the boon that Next Generation created, when you had right. Herc and Xena and eventually Battlestar. When you had that wave of syndicated in the network shows, it was like it was all piling back on, on Star Trek. And there was kind of a malaise in Trek fandom, and then about that time, you know, uh, Marvel Universe exploded after Iron Man and the aughts. And all these factors were all happening together. And Star Trek goes off the screen. And there's kind of a malaise around Trek fandom. And it's almost like eventually people were worrying about it and worrying about we were aging. There were no little kids coming along, right? People weren't reproducing fast enough if they were of a Trekkie persuasion. We're not tribbles. All those factors were in the <laughs> stew together, Yeah. Um, which which species of triple are you talking about? <laughs> but um, but then it turned out that social media was actually like conventions found their footing again. Oh, and all the you know creation used to have you know would do five or ten. Now they were a little like here's a guest in one room and a non guest room, you know. Mm -hmm. And but they would they would kind of cart bag those all over the the country plus the local cons, and they all kind of drew, dried up. But what happened was it's almost like social media. People found each other online. And then the conventions, like most famously Vegas, but even Comic-Cons, turned into a reunion, basically. People met online, and then they got to go and hang out live. And it even feels like the regional conventions are making a comeback now because people can't all afford to go to you know, New York or Vegas or San Diego Comic-Con. Mm -hmm. And there is a Comic-Con in every town now because since the geeks rule and the geeks won the war, every local chamber of commerce doesn't see it as, you know, now it's a cash cow. Oh, look at the sales tax. Oh, look at the tourism. You know, everybody wants a Comic-Con. And the these small and medium-sized cities are getting a Comic-Con. And that's kind of the coin of the realm now with, with superhero fandom, comic fandom being big. Yep. It's like the regional... It's like everything inverted and it's come back. And so you, I, I enjoyed so much. Um, I can't remember the name of the convention. Starbase Indy? No. Oh, uh, no. Look. Concoction. Cleveland Concoction. Concoction. Was, yeah, where, we, where you really got me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> where you yes. threw pips at me. But yep. no, Starba Starbase Indy has uh, Trek roots. They're, they become more mainstream. Oh, yeah. Oh, when yeah. that happens, it's like the convention scene has found its footing. Mm -hmm. But even then, we're talking about ages and generations of fans, the last this 10 years or so we make the mistake, you know, mainstream media did it for years, but even fandom makes a mistake. If you go to a convention, large, small, national, local in scope, and, and you think, well, that's fandom. And you have to remember though, that's the fandom, especially the bigger the convention. And this is why I love the fact that local and regional cons are coming back. The higher the prestige of the thing, the more expensive it is to get there, the farther you travel and that necessarily cuts out people who are younger, who don't have an income that can get them there, right? Unless they're tagging along with mom and dad or uncle, aunt and uncle or friends that are. So, you know, it's like self-selecting. So if you go to a convention and you see that slice of fandom, that not, may not be fandom fandom. And it no. may not be the people that can afford to be there or even know that that's what exists to go to it. Right. And, and then online fandom is a different slice. Anybody can sit in front of a computer or have a phone and talk. And that's its own critter. And that vast, silent majority of I used to call the armchair fandom. But even then, what really got me about this original text from my friend Lee was these are high school kids. And yeah. the last five or six years and since the beginning of Discovery, I've been trying to figure out, is there fandom in that age and where are they hanging out unless they have parents or someone to drag them to a con, you know, or get them online in these spaces? And I just, it's, it's not it's a story that we haven't seen the end of yet. But you talking about indie and concoction. I, I really am heartened by the fact that that is a place where the young kids can get into and find mm -hmm. the old traditional spaces or whatever they look like now. I mean, does that make sense? Is that, uh, oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And we, we, you know, especially I can speak at least to concoction. We've done, uh, done a lot to try to 
make it easier for for folks that have managed to you know have progeny and want them to be a part of it to come to those to come to that. I mean, we 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 run like babysitting uh, uh, stuff. Yes, we 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 run um, you know childcare kind of things way into the night. So that folks, if they want to go to the social things that happen in, in late night, have that opportunity. And also they can maybe socialize the young, you know, the young ones who aren't old enough to do that can still socialize, still find some new friends and maybe meet new people to hang out with later and get into this and get into this thing that their parents have been dragging them to for years. Right. But even more, the progeny of the parents, <laughs> the progeny bring along their friends. Yes, yes, they who do. Have no connection to this world, and you, ha ha! Now you've done lateral. See, so exactly, which is what used to happen. My right. memory is that's what used yeah. to happen. Hey um, guys, we actually do have some other people lined up, and we're right, right. Do oh, at the God. bottom of the uh, bottom of the hour as well, which uh, is behind us now. But uh, Vice Admiral, <laughs> thank you very much for uh, for calling in and uh, give us a call back again sometime. Okay. Of course, guys. Hey, as always, been great. Talk to you later. Talk to you too, Admiral. Six six nine nine hundred six eight three three is the phone number to call. Six six nine nine hundred six eight three three, or you can use the one top from your smartphone or. Um, if you're on Facebook, uh, click the link there. The meeting uh, code is right up there at the top of the screen. Uh, you can talk to Earl, and then you can talk to us. Uh, we had a couple of things we wanted to do really quickly, John, before we get back to callers. Yeah, just very quickly, I wanted to say hi and thank you to Chris Riker, who's in the chat right now. A couple of weeks ago, we mentioned his book, and lo and behold, look what showed up in the mail. Come the Eventide by Chris Riker. So uh, go to Come the Eventide dot com so you can check out all the information about the book even sent a note here that says john thanks again say hi to ken rod and earl so consider yourselves greeted from chris and i love it he inscribed it uh think like an octopod live like a dolphin i do appreciate that thank you very much chris so come the eventide to get your own copy and then a big thanks to rebecca who sent uh, both you and me, Ken. Now, uh, Ken, you weren't here today to pick this up, but I promise I'll bring it to you. Lovely card from Rebecca, along with, for me, a Star Trek The Motion Picture magnet. Thank you very much. You're looking out for me, Rebecca. Um, And she says, the reason I wanted to bring that up, she says that she went to her first convention this summer Mm. because she listened to us talk about Star Trek and talk about conventions and the fan community. So I thought that was really great that uh, just by doing our little show that, you know, reaches people virtually that actually had a real world consequence of bringing somebody into the fandom, going to a convention. And I hope sounds like having a great time. <laughs> so thank you, Rebecca, very much for that. And I, I hope you did have a great time at the convention you went to, and hopefully we'll see you at Vegas sometime. She she did send a present and mentioned it. She wasn't like, you know, never again. You know, no, 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 no. It wasn't like, like that. A, like a thing of ashes that used to be her ticket stub. Yeah, no, no, no it wasn't quite yeah. like that. I'm assuming so. that she had a, I'm assuming <laughs> that she had a good time. Larry, exactly. I got a question really quickly because I know we have to get the callers, but you seem to be, I don't want to say stuck on, but you seem to be stuck on the fact that there's this age, this group of kids, literally kids who, who haven't been drawn into the track fandom, but I'm wondering how you think that would have happened. Like the last movie to hit the screen was was uh, Beyond, which was what twenty sixteen now is that right? So three years <laughs> yeah. ago, mm-hmm. which would have made these kids, of course, three years younger. And and whether you like those movies or not, the third movie is really the first one that tried to tell its own story. Mm-hmm. Like the like um, uh, the first one, of course, had Leonard Nimoy who had played Spock for a million years. Uh, the second one was just retelling Wrath of Khan in a slightly different way, but it wasn't doing anything new or exciting. There's really only been one movie of the three that might've gotten people into it. And then the rest of the time it's, well, I don't know if we're going to make another one. Yeah. We're still talking. Well, we don't know if that's going to happen. Hey, maybe Tarantino will make one. Hey, maybe somebody else will make one. In the meantime, on television, what might have drawn somebody in, first of all, we don't flip channels anymore. And additionally, it's not on anything that people were already subscribed to, at least not here in the States. Here in the States, you have to subscribe to something to get it. Unlike, you know, in Europe and uh, Canada, where you might already be subscribed to the thing where Discovery is going to be on. Mostly Netflix is what I'm thinking about, but other stuff as well. I mean, at some point, don't you have to put something in front of people? (laughs) Oh, yeah. yeah. For the fandom to grow. You're preaching to the choir here, but... 
what I what I've been about is not been so much young facing as as uh, existing facing, like just trying to rem- to remind our existing base of fandom that there is this looming, there is a wave, there's a thundering herd coming over the horizon, just as it's done before. Most, I think the biggest example of this was the next gen fandom kind of, you know, one minute you hear the original series fans griping about next gen is not Kirk, Spock and McCoy. And then three years later, that all went away and people are just loving next generation. Mm-hmm. And, and mm-hmm. that's on its way too. I'm just curious to know. I, it's like, I know they're out there. It may not be a big group, but I'm just curious about trying to find ways to get to them while being cognizant of the fact that, you know, there's stereotypical little boxes. Are they all in Snapchat? I mean, there's little chintzy ways I could think of them, but I know there are younger fans apparently out there and they are turning up in ways. And, and I'm going to do this for next Tuesday, but I, I kind of stumbled into a thread on an Instagram, like a sub, a sub, a sub of something, my post or somebody else's post where it was people talking about the last Star Trek. They had, there was, there's a, I don't know if it's a generation or a block who have, who have sampled all the treks except for TOS slash TAS. Only because they're just fearful. They don't think they can stomach the 60s-ness of it. Or even mm-hmm. people who are like wanting to be a martyr. I know it's the foundation of the franchise. I know everything stems from that. I just don't know if I can take it. And and one very reasonable person saying, um, well, I don't want to get off on this now. But, I mean, you know, it's out there and they're going to find their way. My main mission has been lately just to remind people that that's just, – just don't go through life with our blinders on. This is going to happen eventually. Mm-hmm. And they're going to become into the main, just the way the 09 fandom kind of uh, very viscerally burst on me at the 09 Vegas. I walked in a room and there were 300 people in there that were all there because of, they didn't know that they were supposed to be in the main room or the dealer's room. They actually went to the, what used to be a nothing room, the sub, the sub room, the secondary theater. And they were all in there because there was a panel that I thought would have its usual 15 or 20 people in the audience. And there were 300 and we did a show of hands and they were all had just come into fandom through, you know, through the 09 uh, JJ movie. So I know that's coming again, I think. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, uh, here's the question I have, though, and this is going to sound heretical, and I'm fine with that. Why would you think that that would be coming at this point? Because here's here's the thing that I don't understand, okay? When I personally, but other people that I've heard as well, say that they want a return to sort of the TOS, TNG, Great Big Beautiful Tomorrow, and everybody says, well, that's not what that's not what uh, television isn't made that way anymore. That's not the stories we tell anymore. It has to be more real and more gritty. Well, there's tons of real gritty science fiction out there. And so, I mean, like, why are kids going to be drawn? I mean, if we're going to if we can't have it both ways, we can't say, well, nobody wants to tell an uplifting, you know, uh, utopian future. Everything is great story. So that's why Discovery is dark. But why aren't these kids going back and watching TOS? I mean, you can't do both. Well, I, some of this is going to sort it out, but you say that. I just saw a sub part to that thread where people were saying one person threw out a theory that 90s kids um, are having a hard time. And I'm throwing these terms around. 90s kids are having a hard time with the six with the 60s. But little kids, if you get them when they're six and eight and ten, they love the bright. Color. Somebody made the example of people still love to talk about uh, Adam Ward, uh, Batman. Mm-hmm. Adam West and, and who yeah. and who talks about um, uh, Burt Ward, Adam West. He's he's yes. shifting. Yes. Adam um, Ward, I liked it. Yeah, first generation, first generation Batman movie. Um, yeah. um, uh, Ke- uh, Keaton, Michael Keaton, Michael yeah. Keaton, Adam Keaton. It's like Adam. Yeah. It's like who's Keaton. talking about what's the per- <laughs> what's the percentage of people talking about the the comic booky over the top campy Batman versus the first serious attempt to do a Batman that was, you know, critically was a box office smash. But now looking back, who's in, who's more engaged in either one of those. And just saying that little kids love the cult, not just that it's a surface thing about loving colors, but the messages are easy to grasp. They are standalone stories. And that again, this is all just a big soup. It's a big sociological soup. And just to, just to be aware that that's in flux and not just, you know, things are trundling along like it's the 90s for the 30th year. That that kind of that's that's where I'm I'm fascinated by that. And this is all going to sort itself out some way. And the fact that our media is changing from network and one offs and 26 show seasons to 13 show shorty things on streaming is part of it. So where those kids are and what they're doing and how they'll come out, I, I think they're there. 
that's my point. It's just to, to realize that they're out there somewhere. Although, yeah, CBS All Access is not hey, the best way to get the most eyeballs open. We have a bunch of people standing by, so I, I, I don't want to yep, uh, lose yep, yep. any of you. And I, wherever Rhea is, she looks cold. So we'll go fast <laughs> through uh, through the next group here. Uh, so I want to say hi to Greg, who has been waiting patiently. Uh, Greg, you are on the air. Oh, What's on your mind tonight? Greg? Hello, Greg. Come in, Greg. Sorry. Hey, no problem. What's up? Thank you so much for waiting. Uh, what's on your mind tonight? Yeah, just a fascinating topic. And um, I guess what was on my mind is I'd never really thought about it before in the sense of not necessarily division of fans, but in my mind, Star Trek is just one big group, even though there's many, many pieces. It's, it's, it's one big thing. And I guess a question I might ask Larry is, as you deal with different fans, do you see divisions amongst fans to the point to where some don't see, like, do people see Discovery as Star Trek the same way that maybe they didn't see the animated series as Star Trek? It's just an interesting topic I had never thought about before. Just well, real quick, I think a lot of the, what we've had the last couple of years has been has been um, <laughs> trumped up, way overblown. I think average Joe and Jill fan are happy to have everything. People still have their, people still have their likes. People still like DS9 over Voyager or vice versa. But I still think people think about Trek as a big fandom. I think some of it's been amped up. And I think like, like before with the next generation original series, like what you mentioned, it'll all get, you know, the, the, the inflows will all sort themselves out in the mainstream eventually. And then 10 years from now, we'll have a whole different perspective. Like, like, uh, Ken said at the beginning, talking about the original series people in the next gen, you know, fandom. But I, I think a lot of that's been overblown lately. And we're going to see some reassert, especially as CBS starts to roll out more, more series and different tones. Like Picard's going to be such a different, not just the nostalgia factor and the familiar faces, but the tone is going to be different than Discovery. And when the animated series hit, and when we get an animated series that's not on CBS All Access, I, I'm, I'm really excited to see what impacts those have on audience. It's like a, it's like a big Greek diner. And the more you just keep <laughs> adding to the menu, there's a little something for everyone, you know? Yeah. If I wanted pasticcio, but somebody else wanted a Reuben, we're all, we're all happy. It's just one big place to order whatever you want. Um, hey, Star thank Trek you buffet. so much. Star Trek Buffet. Uh, Greg, thank you so much for calling in tonight. We'll, we'll say goodbye just uh, so we can say hi to the next person who's been holding. And then uh, hopefully Rhea will get to a warm place later. <laughs> so, Greg, thank you so much. Um, looks like next thank standing you. by, we have Zork. Hey, Greg. Zork, welcome to the show. Wait, have, there we are. Zork, how's it going tonight? Zork, are you there? I feel like you're summoning something every time you say that. I know, right? And I'm wondering if Zork, uh, Zork uh, might, be there. might happen to be a friend of Garlock. I don't know. They might know each other. Well, all right, Zork, we're going to put you on. Oh, Zork, we're going to put you on mute uh, just for another moment here so we can check in uh, with the very cold Rhea. Uh, Rhea from an undisclosed location. How are you doing tonight? Hey, doing great. How are you guys doing? Very good. Doing all right. Where are you? I'm at work and I work outdoors. Um, oh, okay. That's why I haven't been able to call in because I work Tuesday nights now. But I had to call in and, and say hi to Ken's beautiful face one last time. But uh, uh. so I've missed the bulk of the um, conversation tonight. So probably have irrelevant stuff to say. But just today at work, um, you know, I grew up with the original series. Um, one of my employees at work, my other job, not this one. She mentioned something about short trek, short treks. I'm like, oh, you're a Star Trek fan. She's like, well, all I've seen are the, the short treks and the new series. So Discovery and the short treks. I'd never heard of that. And because she, she saw a picture of me with some tribbles she, and she asked if that was from the short treks. And I'm like, well, it's the original series bridge. She had no idea what I was talking about. She didn't recognize the original series bridge, but she knew the short treks. I'm like, that's pretty cool. <laughs> that's awesome, actually. Yeah. That's what I mean. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Isn't that nuts? Anyway, I hope that was relevant. But how, yeah. how, how, how is she liking it? Hi. 
Wait, yeah, that, that's the question. Wait, how does she like it though? How she how's she liking it? Oh, I mean, she, liked, she liked it a lot. She really liked that short trick, which I haven't seen yet. Don't spoil me because I I'm going to renew my all access subscription like in a couple months. But um, <laughs> yeah, she really liked it. I'm like awesome because once January rolls around, she's excited for Picard, and uh, yeah, we're gonna have some fun stuff to talk about on the clock instead of doing work. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. She's excited about Picard having not seen TNG. Correct. All right. Wow. Do you know why? That's what I, yeah, that's what I jumped on. What do you know? I'll ask her. I'll All like right. Okay. Her. I'm her Please. supervisor, so I can get a full report from her. <laughs> yeah. her it almost sounds like you're saying that Tribbles got her to Picard, got her to be excited about Picard, which is, you yeah. know, this is Tribbles what I mean. Are her gateway drug. Exactly. <laughs> Whatever your entree is, just don't ever expect that you know what, you know, it's, it's anything can bring people to trick. It's all good. But. Yeah. Wow. Well, That's... okay. First of all, this won't be the last time you get to say hi to my face. So, Woo! yeah. Yeah, there you go. Because, you know, Vegas and things like that. But it's, uh, thank you very much for calling in. It's wonderful to see you and talk to you as well. Good to see you. And I'll be looking for a roommate in Vegas. Just throwing that out there. <laughs> That's <laughs> awesome. Okay. Nice. That's good. Good night, Rhea. Okay. All right. Hey, cool. uh, Take care. Really quickly, before we move on to our next caller, I want to remind people about all the other shows that are available on the Roddenberry Podcast Network. Uh, you know, we've hit, I think, the last episode of uh, Shabam. Uh, this week, John. I know, right? I think we've actually hit the end of that story arc. They have other things available, and they are, of course, working on season two. Yep. Uh, that's just the the most recent show, though, on the uh, on the network. There's a Doctor Trek. Larry Nemechek hosts a show on the network. That, of course, being the Trek Files. Uh, John, I think you have another show on the Roddenberry Podcast Network besides this one. What? That's Mission Log, talk. I think, is is the one that you do. Uh, no, i got to look into that. that. I've, I've heard good things. Yeah, yeah it's not bad. <laughs> uh, let's see. What else? Uh, Priority One. Of course, they just finished their live show a few minutes ago, but that comes out every Friday. It's kind of like a magazine show, like talking about news and interviews and things like that around the Star Trek universe, gaming stuff, you know, that kind of thing. Am I missing anybody? Daily Star Trek News. That's the one. It's yeah. not a magazine show. It's just like, it's news. It's just mm-hmm. a hit you with news. And then there is actually another thing uh, Tuesday through Friday. So there's like, you know, events in your area. Uh, you might hear about Starbase Indy there, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Friday, of course, is other stuff that you might want to give a listen to while you're, while you're sitting at home wishing you had more Star Trek stuff to do. Then, of course, daily news as well. You know, stuff around the different studios that produce, the different celebrities, uh, just all kinds of fun stuff. So, Tons of stuff for you to listen to. The place to listen to all of it or the place to find all of it, podcast.roddenberry.com. Of course, each one of those shows, I Forgot Women at Warp. I was going to say, don't those gals do that show? (laughs) Women at Warp. I forgot about that one as well. Uh, That, of course, is a look at the uh, Star Trek universe through a feminist lens or a look at feminism through a Star Trek lens. You you make that call. Either way, uh, all those are available either wherever you get podcasts or if you just want to go one place and and, and have a sampling of all of it, uh, podcast.roddenberry.com. Hey, I'm so bummed to say that we lost Zork. I I have no more Zork on my screen. Zork, please call back. You said his name too many times and scared him away. Please call back next time. Uh, But the good news. Zork back when you were done with him. This wouldn't happen. (laughs) I know. I know. The good news is, though, we have Brian, who has been waiting patiently. So, Brian, you look warmer than Rhea. How's it going tonight, Brian? Welcome to the show. Am I? Oh, there we go. Alamarine. Alamarine. I finally made it to Shaft 47. I am so stoked right now. You can no longer call in. I made it to Shaft 47. You know, and, and I'm really, I'm sad to see you go because I, I really don't think John's an Alamarine kind of guy. No, I'm not an Alamarine kind of guy. <laughs> this ends here. It ends here, buddy. Well, nonetheless, I am sad to see Ken go. And um, um, hey, San Francisco, crepes. We're going to make it happen. All right. There we All go. Right. <laughs> crepe crawl. Crepe crawl but, uh, 2020. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Great call. Um, yeah. Oh, um, so speaking of, um, and hello, Larry. I'm very glad to see you tonight. Um, <laughs> um, um, speaking of um, eras of Trek fandom and such, I always thought of the 70s as sort of the second wave with the um, uh, the Admin mm-hmm. series and mainly the syndication that brought me onto Star Trek when I was mm-hmm. a young man. And um, 
But I was also thinking in terms of uh, fandom interaction. We have like the pre-internet era, which you've been discussing on uh, Trek Files, and the post-internet era. And there's kind of an era in between in the 80s. I don't know how many of you remember the you know, bulletin boards, the early mm-hmm. um, uh, uh, electronic uh, communication where you would write a message and you have to wait till like the next day to get an answer from someone. But it was pretty amazing for the time. And um, I just wondered if any of you guys ever were on such networks like FidoNet or anything like that back in the day. <laughs> you ever have like the modem, you know, 2400 baud? Yeah. You know, I have to admit, not for Star Trek. I, I, I do remember seeing those boards. Uh, oh, and it's funny uh, because Earl was co-moderator of the Voyager Echo on FidoNet. So oh, we should be dragging Earl into this. His, his nerd cred going way deep. Um, well, I, I knew the moderator of the Trek Echo, Marshall, and several of the co-moderators there, too. So I was kind of that's a Nice. Um, I, I will say that, and Larry will know uh, what I'm talking about here. We've been uh, holding off on a document uh, for a little while that is a printout of some pages from a CompuServe board discussing Star Trek The Next Generation. And I, I don't want to give too much away because we will get to it, whether it's the two of us or a guest and Larry. Um, but it, it's fascinating stuff to see that little slice of pre-internet discussion. Um so, yeah, uh, I can't say that I was a participant myself. Ken, were you? Oh, no, 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 no. We had nothing like a computer like that in my house. No. Um, yeah, 386 or 286 with 2400 baud or I, I had a big <laughs> 20 and a Commodore 64, but it was only connected to my TV. That was it. And so, oh. no, sadly not. But I was also, I mean, I've told, I mean, people who've listened to this show know um, I was the only Star Trek fan I knew. Me and my aunt, that was it. We didn't hang out that much because I think she had actually moved uh, to Montgomery or Birmingham. I'm not sure which, but she had moved south. And so, yeah, I I would basically go home and I would watch Star Trek and then I would go out and hang out with my friends who had already been out because they weren't wasting their time watching television was what they thought. But of course, uh, you know, I was having my mind blown by a code of honor (laughs) (laughs) and other stuff, obviously. I didn't have a modem, but I had friends that were notum nerds, notum nerds, modem nerds, notum nerds. <laughs> I love it. Yes, and and somebody they said, Larry, you should come. There's two guys debating this topic, and I'm sure you could come in and answer it for them. This was like in '89, and I went, okay. And they sat me down in front of their screen, and they were arguing some point, and I said, oh, actually, and people love this when you do it to them. I said, actually, you both have parts of it right. Blah 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 blah. Mm. So I answered their question, came back, yeah, the next day, and it's like. They totally just pivoted. It's like they did not want an answer. They just, you know, they were Tellerites. They just merely wanted to argue. And they totally pivoted and went on to something else to debate. And that informed me so much about what the future online world (laughs) was going to be like, you know, flame wars. Yes. It's no matter what the media is. It's it's yeah, there's fan. Arguing on a computer. This sounds great. How do I get in on that? (laughs) What a way. What a peek (laughs) into the future. I I know. Can't wait. Well, it's the whole anonymity thing, probably. If we all had cameras hooked to our computers and we were forced to talk to each other face to face, then it might have been a little different story. None of this would have evolved. Yeah, that's very mm-hmm. true. Yeah. Uh, anything else on your mind tonight, Brian? Oh, um, yeah. Well, I, I was going to ask Larry, you know that book you wrote and then you, you revised it? <laughs> the, the Next Gen Companion? Yeah, that one. Uh I, I, I don't have the revised edition. I didn't know where to find it. I was looking all over, but it seems like I can't find it for under $100 anywhere. <laughs> the, the, well, there was... Yeah, that red only the, the, with the, yeah, the Nemesis cover on it. Yeah, the final one. Yeah, I, I don't control that. I also didn't control the fact that I didn't get to fully update it each time because they wouldn't let me add new pages or reshoot pages. So it just it was a creature of what it became. But I'm still very proud of it. And if you keep looking, surely you can find one less than 100 well, yeah, I comb the, uh, <laughs> the used bookstores for it. But, yeah, it's, it's somehow slipped under my radar, and I just figured out. Maybe okay. Larry has one in his closet. No. <laughs> <laughs> there's a few things over there, but there's not a, not a black companion. Sorry. Anything that happens on this show, we get a commission, okay? So just, just letting <laughs> oh, you know. Mm-hmm. You know what they're 3%. On top of my 2% royalty from original from Pocket, yeah. Exactly. Oh, okay. 
Hey, Brian, thank you so much. We're uh, we're up at the end of the show. I really appreciate it. I know that we have just barely scratched the surface of discussing fandom, modern fandom, the, the generation divide in fandom, how uh, uh, technology has affected that. I'm sure that this is something we will discuss going forward. Larry and I had an entirely different conversation earlier today about the long tail, and I would contend, you know, whether or not Star Trek even needs to have a Marvel-style popularity to be successful and vital uh, to its fandom. But we'll save that for another night. How about that? Let's do that. That and how different generations view the same thing on film. Yes. Which yeah. is a, becoming more and more a thing. Yes. Exactly. All right, Brian, thanks so much for joining us. We'll see you again, okay? All right. See you soon. Hey, really quickly, Larry, what is the one place that you want people to go to find you? LarryNimichek.com on the web and everything else is there. Larry Nimichek on Twitter. There you Larry go. Trackland on Facebook. That'll do it. Okay, that's more than one place and your time is up. Mission Log Live is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment. Executive producer Rod Roddenberry. Thank you very much, Larry, for joining us. We really do. <laughs> Thanks, Seriously, guys. Appreciate it. Track well. Uh, tech, uh, technical production, excuse me, on Mission Log Live by Earl Green. Uh, be sure and visit the Roddenberry Podcast Network at podcast.roddenberry.com for all those shows I was just talking about mere moments ago. If you'd like to support Mission Log directly, that'd be neat. Uh, Patreon.com slash Mission Log is the place to do that. Thank Thank you to everybody who joined us live or later, and we will talk to you next week. Podcast.roddenberry.com, the Roddenberry Podcast Network.